Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside. But what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. It is episode 24 of the MMA Outsiders Talbano here, along with Sam Bando and Stan. We've got quite a week when it comes to fight card. Yeah, I know the news week kind of slow here for this week. However, we've got a card coming up this weekend, Stan, of epic proportions. No, I am not talking about the... UFC card that's starting, uh, but the main card is going to start at 1 a.m. Eastern time. No, I'm talking about Bellator tonight. I am talking about a card that is the first time a non-UFC promotion, Dan, is going to be on network television since the Strike Force Nashville brawl. I am talking about the main event heavyweight championship on the line, Ryan Bader, Fedor Melianenko, two title fights, a prelim card featuring several noteworthy names from Bellator. And it's going to be the final fight in the career of one epic legend, Fedor Melianenko. So, Zan, what a week. I'm really excited for Bellator. So excited, Zan, that you had the idea and I'm going along with it. We're going to start with our preview. Yeah, we're doing something a little out of the ordinary. Yeah, uh, this was my idea simply because I feel like it's a way to pay tribute to the last emperor. And I mean, shoot, you go on MMA Twitter this entire week, and it's literally just been full of praise for how good this Bellator card is. Um, people, myself included, saying that Bellator is overtaking the UFC just for this one weekend. So I thought, uh, what the heck? Let's preview this pay per view esque card and give it the respect it deserves because arguably Tom in my opinion and as you know I've been to several Bellators this is the biggest Bellator event in my opinion that the promotion has ever had this is a major opportunity Zan I mean you think about like I said the historical context of this that for the first time in a very long time it's going to be 13 years almost 13 years, yeah, that the last time we saw a non-UFC promotion on network television. Again, non-UFC promotion, so I'm not talking about the UFC's time with Fox. But you think back to that Strike Force, uh, Strike Force card over in Nashville, another Scott Coker-run promotion, where Zan, everything ended with uh, our favorite soundbite of all time. Sometimes these things happen in MMA. Sometimes these things happen oh. in MMA. Yeah, one for and, good Yeah, and for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a brawl of epic proportions. So to give some backstory context, at the time that this was going on, um, Strike Force had been going through a little bit of a stretch where they had signed Fedor in 2009, and they thought it was a brilliant idea to showcase the baddest man on the planet that was not in the UFC on network TV, and it did quite well. So Scott Coker decided, okay, let's bring together Dream and Strike Force and put together 
Remember this super mega card, and it was capped off with Dan Henderson versus Jake Shields. Well, that fight was super underwhelming, and Jake Shields um, was doing his post-fight interview, and uh, Asin Mayhem Miller, along with several other fighters, including the Diaz brothers, he comes up behind Jake Shields and infamously says, "Hey, where's my hey, rematch, buddy?" And the whole thing just totally, just totally escalated. Um, and then um, this has since been wiped from the internet. There's maybe grainy video footage of it, but you could hear Gus Johnson say, "Not the quote that we just played, but before that, he goes, gentlemen, we're on national television." And and they and then they go to commercial break, and then out of the break, he comes back with. Sometimes these things happen in MMA. In the and then he goes. The most infamous part is the next thing he says. He goes, you know that testosterone in the cage. <laughs> so he, <laughs> so he says it. I'm like, uh, oh, bro. and it's like, oh, brother, we have a we have a long way to go. <laughs> uh yeah. Well, if you've been on MMA Twitter, if you've been on the MMA Twitter sphere this week, you know that there is a long way to go for mixed martial arts. But regardless, I mean, it, it's said to, that what happened with Strike Force, how that happened, and then you mentioned the trying to showcase Fedor, and then he loses his first round against Brett Rogers, gets the knockout, but the first round doesn't look all that all that well, gets submitted it gets submitted in the first round against uh, Fabricio Werdum, and then that's a couple of fight losing a couple more losses for a three fight losing streak and it just seemed like there was you know it, it was it part posed the questions of was Fedor really ready and was was Fedor's you know was it too late for Fedor and was Fedor ever gonna fight again and then he actually has come out of he has come out of retirement once before he took a little spell within the mid 2010s and I mean He's had, we've had we've seen some showcases of Fedor Emelianenko in Bellator, and there were times where he's looked great. And then he had the fight with uh, Ryan Bader the first time around in the heavyweight Grand Prix. You know I might as well just get the uh, graphic up here. Actually, before we do, Zan, before we get to anything, please make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit subscribe and ring the notification bell. That way, you get notified of everything here on the Yankee the Bench Network, including every episode of MMA Outsiders whenever we go live. Make sure to follow us across social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram over at MMA Outsiders ETB. And make sure to give the network a follow too at ETB Network on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Zambando. You can find his work over at Zambando, uh, at Zambando99 on Twitter, and you can find his work over at BJPen.com. On Talabano, you can find my work over at Fansided at Thomas J. Albano at Talent Talk Sports 9 on Twitter. All right. Now that's, that's out of the way, Zan. Let's talk about. Fedor Emelianenko. Do you want to do you want to do the fight first, or do you think we should talk about Fedor himself first? Let's go into a career retrospective first, but before we get into any of that, um, I just have to toot my own horn a little bit. I've been lucky enough to see the man himself fight twice in person. Uh, I went to his fight with Dan Henderson, where he was awkwardly knocked out. And it was probably one of the weirdest sequences of an ending of a fight I've ever seen in person or on television. And I was more than lucky enough to watch him knock out Frank Mir. So those are my two fond memories of going to Feyenoord and Millionenko fights in person. And, and I've gotten a chance to meet the man himself in 
Anyway, he's very he's very cold, and he doesn't and he doesn't say much. And you knew that this time was going to come. And of course, um, because Scott Coker is the man who he isn't. He has the relationship with Fedor that he does. It is no surprise to me, nor should it be a surprise to any of the MMA hardcores, yourself included, that Fedor is getting a heavy a title shot because it's just the way that it was meant to be, right? For sure. So you look at Fedor's career, Dan. I mean, beginning in 2000, he primarily competed in the rings promotion. It was in the rings promotion, actually, where he had his one and only loss prior to the Verdun fight. And it was actually in very controversial circumstances. He was competing in a the King of Kings 2000 tournament. And he was hit with an elbow, which in rings is actually in that rings tournament was actually illegal, but the referee missed it and ended up stopping the fight in not in Fedor's favor uh, for a loss for him because of the cut that had developed around his eye. Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, that, that is that is very much that is very much correct. And there's also um the one part you didn't mention because it's not in this category. Um, isn't it also correct that he did have one no contest in mm-hmm. his career as well? It was the first yeah, fight yeah, against uh, Minotauro Noguera, right? Yes, Pride, uh, Pride Final Conflict 2004 faced Rodrigo Noguera. Uh, that was a heavyweight championship fight, and it was the heavyweight Grand Prix final, which is kind of funny, Zan, because that was in Pride where uh, Fedor made his name, and obviously Fedor wasn't in the light heavyweight uh, Grand Prix, but we just had a situation in Bellator, where you were at, San, where we needed a rematch for the light heavyweight Grand Prix because of a no contest. Kind of funny how they lost in historical context that it's happened twice within a 20-year span. Yeah, that is that is weird to think about. Um, so you have to keep something else in perspective. So I started watching MMA in 2006, and I didn't know what Pride was until long after it had dissolved. So I didn't know who Fedor was until the whole UFC contract saga started and he didn't sign with And that's when I first heard about who he was. Um, And I have to say, probably his first fight that I remember watching um, is his fight with Kevin Randall. And do you remember your your first memory of watching Fedor fight? So my first memory. So I remember because I had... DirecTV at the time, I remember seeing all the Pride Fighting Championship commercials, but I never watched any of them. Uh, not because I wasn't a fan, but it's just I didn't understand MMA. I didn't get into MMA as I until, like I mentioned last week, Zan, the first season of The Ultimate Fighter, and primarily it was just UFC. So it was around the contract saga, and it was around the contract saga where I had first heard with Bedor and watched him, and it was. Um, Actually, Zan, we've talked very recently about the whole Randy Couture situation where he was trying to fight Fedor. And he even had that tease where they were doing a promo, Fedor and Randy, for the um, EA Sports MMA video game. No, not the UFC video game. I'm talking about late 2000s where EA Sports, I think it was 09 or 10, where EA Sports decided to do their own MMA game. And... They had Randy Couture and Fedor Melianenko on the cover, and they had the uh, shot, Zan, of one of the promo videos 
for they showed it to the crowd of them basically doing a face-off, teasing that one day those two could actually compete. That was actually a whole dispute in the late 2000s for uh, Randy Couture. And then Brock Lesnar, they had all this talk about maybe Fedor could fight Brock Lesnar, as you mentioned, the whole contract saga that just went awry. So, unfortunately, by the time Zan, I was watching Fedor, was, as I mentioned, was about strike force, and it was... How did that cons- when he went on the three fight losing streak? And we were concerned that this might have been the decline and might have been it for Fedor. Little so did you we know. So you don't. So oh, just to clarify, did you watch the Brett Rogers fight or did you not watch it? Did I watch it when it happened live? No. Afterwards, okay. yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I was and I was gonna say. Um, also. Um. You you were probably wondering, oh Zan, were you were you there? Because that, that was that was also in Illinois. Unfortunately, um, I was not. I was dragged to a I was dragged to a fourth grade play that night, and I <laughs> wish I had. Um, I, I wish I had. I wish I had gone because I knew because I I obviously knew who Fedor was at the time, but thankfully I got to see him fight in person twice. But it would have been three times if I wasn't dragged to a play. So, so Sam, do you remember the play that you were dragged to? Um, yeah, I actually do. It was um. Oh, I know, I I know this. I know this too. Um, oh, what was it? Did I? Oh, um, it was um, it was based on it. Might have it might have been like a Polar Express like remake or something. It might have and it might it might have been something based on based on a movie that they decided to turn into a play and it was, it was sort of like a school talent show or something like that so that's where that's where i was november 2009 so that would have been around the, well the holiday season so it kind of actually makes sense where yeah it, where we got fedor basically being dropped by brett rogers and having to come back with a knockout in the second round meanwhile here you are with some little kid probably doing a horrible uh josh groban impersonation no i was I was an audience. I was. I was. I was an audience member. I didn't even. I didn't even participate. I didn't even participate in the play. Regardless, if you just believe. Meanwhile, <laughs> Rogers is getting knocked <laughs> And then, of course, back then I wasn't old enough to have a phone, right? So, of course, um. By the way, another weird fun fact: I first discovered Twitter in 2009 on a BlackBerry because. Is because Dana White used to interact with the fans all the time, and once I saw his since deleted tweet of like, of like, of like, of like dot 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 or oh no or something or something related to the Fedor, but I'm like, oh, there it is. He probably he probably won because Dana's upset. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I have I have I have fond memories of two thousand. I was in nine two thousand ten Twitter and Dana White having no idea how to use it. <laughs> so then yeah, even in two thousand and twenty three, there are people who don't know how to use it. Yeah, so that is my first memory of Vador Milianenko is hearing about the Brett Rogers fight after the fact because I wasn't there. That's so that's how I that's that's what I can recall. Again, by the way, meeting him in person is very intimidating because he doesn't say much. So. He doesn't look like the he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would say much. Well, no, he would be he a very does, quiet individual. No, he he does not. I have to ask you this question though: Do you think the Fabio Maldonado fight was controversial in your in in, in your opinion? Uh, I'd have to say so. 
I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying to look. So, is that fight still listed? Yeah, I, it seems like it's mixed results. That some places are listing it as a draw, and some places still list it as a fade or win. I just find it find it very funny, Sam, that the fight was sanctioned and oversaw with judges by those from the Russian MMA union. In, in the words of, uh, in the words of, um, oh my God, what's the who is it? What's the name of the video? I would always watch. I gotta find, but somebody I, there was always there was this uh, person who I would always watch their uh, video. Oh, the Montage King. He said that it was overseen by the Russian MMA Union or Federation. Oh my! Which Fedor is, is the president now? By the way, you just you just brought you, you just brought back some really old memories because they only make like one video every two years. That's why I lost track of who they were. I'm like, oh my god, who was it? Yeah, that that's some like OG YouTube, uh, OG YouTube MMA content right there. <laughs> some of their videos but, still hold up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I thought because I actually I watched the fight um live on Fight Pass in Florida, and I thought in real time that Maldonado had won. I thought he, I, I thought I, I thought he won. Yeah. I mean, it was a fight that maybe had Fedor done Fedor things. It could have maybe given him, you know, one or two fights with the UFC, but it seemed like Maldonado had won that fight. But My no. my, my argument is that no matter if he would have won or lost, I don't think he was getting signed to the UFC no matter what. That's you my... Was, you think it was just to get him on Fight Pass for that one time? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a nice way to get a Fight Pass some uh, business uh, exposure. True, very true. Good point. So, Good but point. then obviously comes the Bellator run, and Sam. I mean, look, let's look at Bellator. His history with Bellator thus far. I mean, uh, having that very weird fight with Matt Mitrione on the Bellator NYC card, where we got the double knockdown, uh, and then he loses that fight. Comes back about ten months later. Beats Mir in the first round of the heavyweight Grand Prix. Uh, a few months later, out in Long Island, uh, beats Chael Sonnen in a round. And then the fight with Ryan Bader, uh, the Grand Prix final, where he loses with one punch in 35 seconds. Uh, then fighting Quentin Rampage Jackson in Japan, a little tribute to Pride in the main event of Bellator 237. and up getting a first round finish there. Then, it, mostly in part because of the pandemic, we don't see him for nearly two years where he fights Timothy Johnson. Timothy Johnson comes out to real American and tries to make the most of the situation, and he just gets flatlined. So, Zant, how would you, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate uh, Fedor's run with Bellator? Now, granted, it's not over until this Saturday. Does this Saturday maybe, you know, does it, do you rate it one way if he wins and rate it one way if he loses, or is there just an overall ranking in your head? Good question. I'd have to give it about a six, but it goes up for me if he beats Bader, and it goes up even more if he finishes him, in my opinion. I I would I have just, to I, I just don't think his Bellator run is all that impressive. So I agree. I actually agree, Stan. I mean, it, it looked bad when uh, it looked bad when when he lost to Mitrione. I'm thinking, Zan, I remember watching that live, Zan, and I'm thinking, oh no, 
it's strike force all over again. I said, this is going to end in absolute disaster. Then they book him against Mir for the heavyweight Grand Prix. I said, okay, maybe they're going to give him the one fight. But then he beat Mir, he beat Chael. And then the Ryan Bader fights, I mean, that just, that was disappointing. Uh, and having him fight Rampage Jackson and Timothy Johnson in the states that they're been that they're in. I mean, Zan, Rampage Jackson the, in 2019, almost the start of 2020, Zan, is not the Rampage Jackson of 15 years earlier. That fight was <laughs> dumb. You know that that that's one of those fights where it's like, okay, cool, but you know, this is not prime Rampage, and this is not prime Fedor, which. I think would have been a really interesting fight to have actually happened if they were both in their primes. And Timothy Johnson, I mean, obviously, obviously Timothy Johnson, Zan, is one of the top heavyweights in Bellator, but he's not the legendary figure that Fedor is. So, I mean, you got this fight with Fedor, and I think this will be an interesting closeout to his chapter uh, of Bellator. Because he can either go out hell up high being the heavyweight champion and retire in the cage with the championship. Or Zan, he's going to end up, if he loses, that's going to put him at a 4-3 and three record in Bellator, which is not that all impressive, like you mentioned. No, and then I think people, if he loses, people are going to be critical, like, oh, how does a 4-2, you know, a 4-2 Bellator fighter get a heavyweight title shot? Whereas all of these other fighters could arguably be more deserving. And for those quote-unquote haters out there, I have one thing to say. The man went the man went 31 and 1 in a 10-year period. I think I think that I think that warrants him getting one more shot at a championship alone. Granted, uh the guys that he beat from about 2000 to 2005 were great, and you could probably argue that 2006 onward probably uh, was was the last of the great competition, at least the competition that were in their prime um, when, oh. he, when he won. Absolutely. I, I mean, Zan, I mean, I'm just going to rat off some names here for his pride run. Sammy Schilt, Heath Herring, Rodrigo Noguera, uh, Gary Goodridge, Mark Coleman, Kevin Randleman, Mirko Krokop, Mark Hunt, uh, he, I mean, he fought Tim Sylvia and Andre Orlovsky in Affliction, but, I mean, those two kind of were at down periods. Uh, for the professional wrestling fans out there, he even fought uh, Yuji Nagata in an MMA rules bout at uh, Antonio Noki's Bumaye pay-per-view in 2003, which he ended up flatlining Nagata in, like, a minute. Uh, but, like you mentioned, Zan, he's fought all these interesting people He's fought uh, Pedro Hizo in 2012 before his first retirement. Fought Satoshi Ishii. As much as he had the three losses in uh, strike force, and Fabricio Rodriguez, Bigfoot Silva, Dan Henderson, noteworthy names. He has fought a whole bunch. And there's still more bunch, Zan, that, you know, if you look at Randy Couture, Brock Lesnar, you think, what if? Because there's still more possibilities of Fedor fighting even more people in their prime. So, I mean, as far as far as him getting a championship fight, I mean, originally I was a little hesitant about him getting a 
heavyweight championship match, but at the end of the day, it is Fedor Melianko. It is one of, if not the goats of mixed martial arts. Obviously, you're going to want to work with him to paint the best kind of ending possible. And if that means a heavyweight championship match, that means a heavyweight championship match. Plus, I mean, you look at the heavyweight ranks, and I mean, you think about what Bellator has at heavyweight. I mean, Moldovsky was the interim champion, but lost to Bader. Uh, Tim Johnson fought for the interim title, lost by Fedor Emelianenko, Fedor's last fight, lost. Um, are we really going to give Czech Congo another heavyweight championship fight? No. I mean, no offense to Czech Congo, but he's been way past his prime for years, and if that happens, and no offense to the heavyweight division either, I just think there's a lot of unwatchable fights in in a division that that I'm 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 sorry to say it's sort of a dig, but I do think Bellator always talks about a we have the better division. I think even though the UFC's heavyweight division gets crapped on all the time, it makes the UFC's heavyweight division look unbelievable in my in my opinion. I mean, granted, I, I mean, granted, the heavyweight division in the UFC certainly suffers after Francis Ngannou has left, but now that uh, the UFC. Whether even if it's only for the short term, Zan is adding John Jones again, one of the goats of this sport, whether you like him or not, to its heavyweight division. That's you know, that just hurts the distance between the two. And you know, maybe you can point to Litton Vassell going to heavyweight and says he might be interesting. Steve Maury is 10 and 0, the rise of Daniel James, and I know they're still trying to build Tyrell Fortune, but Zan, as you kind of imply. None of those names compared to Fedor Emelianenko. None of those names compared to Ryan Bader. So it really seems like the logical choice, Zan, is to have this rematch here. That starts off, I mean, that, that is the main event of Bellator 290, especially, Zan, when you're talking about a card that is going to air on CBS, and we just talked about, Zan, we spent a little time on it, the absolute historic context with this card and the big opportunity uh, that is presented for Bellator by being on network television. Uh, Give me a second here to pull this up. Okay, so, I mean, the opportunities, Zan, that the Bellator has, I mean, you're going to want a stacked kind of card. And Zan, I mean, it's only three fights, but they chose a damn good three fights. And then you've got names like Neiman Gracie, Lorenz Larkin, Henry Corrales, uh, Grant Neal, Darren Caldwell, a former champion, competing on the preliminary card. For that to be topped off, Zan, you you need to have a big main event to go with those prelims. You need the two title fights. And Zan, I mean, Ryan Bader versus Fedor Emelianenko 2 is that fight. Yeah, it is that fight. And, uh, you know, you have to give Bellator a ton of credit because, you know, they haven't been on... They've never been on CBS. The last time a Viacom did something with MMA was with Scott Coker. So it's obvious that he's been able to maintain those relationships. And you know that Fedor is a big draw on CBS. And it makes a lot of sense. And you know what? If this was 10 years ago, you could argue that this fight could have very well taken place in the UFC. But here we are now. And I think this goes to show that if Ryan Bader wins, he's a legitimate threat. Um, at heavyweight that's outside the UFC. And if Fedor wins, I think it creates a lot of parity in the 
a division, even though it is his retirement fight. Bellator is going to have a lot of question marks. They're going to. I think they're more concerned of whether they're going to go after this fight uh, if Fedor wins. I just think stylistically, it's a great fight, and I, I think it goes a lot differently than the first one. And I just think Fedor got caught. That's what. That's what I think. So Zan, let me put you on the spot a little bit before we do predictions. Let me put you on the spot. So let's say Fedor Melianenko wins this fight. What does Bellator do then at heavyweight? Who would you put in a what would be a vacant championship fight? Uh Bader versus uh, Meldovsky, in my opinion. You would you would uh you would run that fight back? I would, yeah. You would not give a title shot to Linton Bissell or anybody? Not at not at the moment. I think that I think that Bissell needs to win one more fight to prove to me that he's ready for it. Do you think maybe uh depending on the timing of his next fight and uh the timing of what they want to do with the heavyweight championship and what and what would be a vacant heavyweight championship that Bellator might keep its eye on trying to strap a rocket to Mori? It's a, it's a possibility. Um, but would you be interested in doing Mori in an interim title fight? Because I'd be down for that. Uh, I'd be down for... I'd be down of keeping him one or two more fights, whether it be an interim title fight or just a number one contender's fight. So, but I guess, Sam, I mean, if you're pointing out that, you know, there's a real possibility that Bader... And Moldovsky too could be a vacant title fight after this. I mean, it. I think Zan, that just goes to further prove how much more depth is needed at uh, heavyweight for Bellator. It's a good point. Um, okay, so if Ryan Bader wins, what do you think Bellator does? If Bader wins, then I think you need to look at the possibility of some fresh matchups. I don't know if you do Moldovsky too again. I think you see what happens next with Linton Vassell. And if he wins, then maybe you run Ryan Bader versus Linton Vassell. Uh, I think Steve Maury is going to be an interesting one that if Maury can end up getting a win or two before Bell- before Bader gets back in the cage, you know, maybe he's next in line or maybe he's in line after after a Vassell fight if Bader goes through Vassell. I mean, and do you see the possibility that Bader... Might try to move down to light heavyweight again. I mean, is that really, is that really what Bellator wants wants to do to keep the future that it, of the division moving? I mean, is that what Bellator wants? I mean, that's a possibility, but I don't know if Bader goes down to light heavyweight and then we try and run. I don't know if we want to try him versus Vedi Nightcop three. I, I just don't think that's realistic. I mean, who do you who do you think would win that fight if it were to happen? Uh, a rematch between uh, Nemkov and Vader. I I would just I would say Nemkov. I think Nemkov really proved in that first fight he's got something on Vader, and I think maybe Vader needs to focus more on heavyweight, where he really is the best of the best. Even though, even though, like I just mentioned, there is some, there is you know a lack of competition there for Bader. I mean, you're gonna have meanwhile light heavyweight. You got Nemkov and Yoel Romero and Phil Davis. There, there are more possibilities you can do with Nemkov than a rematch with uh, Ryan Bader. With that being said, could you see Vadim Nemkov move up to heavyweight if 
Bader were to win on Saturday. You know, Zan, I now that you say that out loud, I think that is a real possibility and something that maybe Bellator officials might want to consider or hope for, that maybe there is the chance that he moves up. And then maybe if you that, that would actually make the rematch a little more interesting if it was for Bader's title and not Nemkov's title and give Nemkov the chance to be the double champ. If you were matchmaking right now, what what would you do given this whole fiasco? Well, obviously we can't decide on anything until this fight actually happens. Uh, I mean, if Bader wins, then Zan, like you mentioned, I mean, maybe there's no choice but to do Bader versus Moldovsky. But I think, Zan, now that we're saying these things out loud, I think, Zan, at this point, Maybe if you're Bellator, you might want to be on the phone with uh, with Nemkov and say, hey, maybe there's the possibility, you know, after your next fight, maybe the possibility of moving up to heavyweight. What's interesting to me, too, is that I just don't think, I think people are so focused on Fedor coming back that I don't think people realize that Ryan Bader is up one nothing in this series. Does it feel the same way in your opinion too? I, I agree that Bader is up one nothing in the series and Zan, like I mentioned, he has proven success at heavyweight. I would say more at heavyweight than he has at light heavyweight. I think light heavyweight, like we said, is more of Nemkov's throne now, which is coincidentally Nemkov being a protege of Fedor's. So you look at this possibility, Zan, and, and Zan, actually, there's one other thing we're forgetting. One other thing we're forgetting, Zan, when we're talking about the Dean Nemkov and maybe his role in this and what Bellator officials might want and what he might want, the possibility of Bader moving back down or him going up. His fight with Yoel Romero got scrapped. What if Bellator wants to run Vadim Nemkov versus Yoel Romero for the light heavyweight championship again? Well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think there are a lot of directions you could go with both divisions. I do think it is contingent on who wins this fight. But I think what Bellator is probably hoping for is Bader versus Meldovsky because they could promote that fight and build it up in a way that maybe maybe their other encounter didn't previously. But if that's the case, then, if that is the case, do you think then Bellator officials as much as they're talking about Fedor and, you know, it's Fedor's retirement fight and the sentiment is going to be with Fedor, would, do you think Bellator officials would then be hoping that Fedor wins this one? I don't know. That's a good question. I think it's one of those things where you have to wait and see how it plays out. It's obvious that the attention is on Fedor, but the division is going to have to move on either way. So I think it's, I think it's worse so, what Bellator wants to do instead of really or so what um what the fans think is ultimately it's it's gonna it's gonna be up to Bellator and they're gonna be the ones to make the decisions and that's that's just all part of it. So I mean we'll see, but I do think it impacts two divisions, heavyweight and light heavyweight, more than people realize. And and again, you're talking about one division, Zan, at heavyweight, which is kind of weak for Bellator, and then another division, light heavyweight, which, 
I mean, even if you're not the biggest fan of light heavyweight with Bellator compared to the UFC, I still think Bellator's had shoulders above. So you look at this picture, Zan, and you look at this fight. Let's narrow in on this fight. So before we try to pick any more potential puzzle pieces up, what does happen on Saturday? Because I think you and I are in the same boat that this one is not going to last 30 seconds like the last one did. But how long will this fight last? And does Fedor win again, or does Fedor go out with the heavyweight championship? Um, per- <clears throat> Personally, I think that um, Fedor Emelianenko wins this fight. I mean, I think it's too... I think it's... Too much at stake, too much on the line. CBS, the whole thing, to see Fedor go out like that. I think I think Fedor is going to win this fight, and I think he's going to win it late. I think he's going to win it in the third or fourth round. Interesting. I think Zan Fedor is just at such a role at heavyweight, and Fedor hasn't had a great run with Bellator, that I feel like he's not going. it's not going to last 30 seconds. But I could see late first, at some point in the second, Vader getting another knockout and Vader going out. I mean, coming out still the champion at the end of the pic- at the end of the picture. Uh, is that what CBS wants? I don't know. As far as Bellator goes, I mean, like we just talked about, it's an interesting thought. Compare, I mean, seeing how this does affect two divisions. Take your words. Um. So, if Bader wins, I mean, it will be interesting to see what they want to do with uh, Nemkov, what Nemkov himself wants to do, who else they see as the potential challenger. And then, I I guess, Zan, I'm in one of those heart versus brain things, where it's like, my heart wants to be with Vador. I think it would be fantastic to see him hold up the heavyweight championship in his last fight. But my fight analyst brain wants to go with Vader. Interesting. Um, could you see this going the distance? Because I don't think it will. Absolutely not. These two? <laughs> Absolutely not. Interesting. And do you think at any point in the fight, the fight's going to be razor close or tied up at any point? If this fight were to somehow go to a third round, Zan, I could see it going into that third round being 1-1. Interesting. And are we going to see any surprises? I think maybe... Hmm. I think Fedor might... I think we could have a situation, Zan, where within the same round, each one rocks the other, if you get what I mean. Like, it might the round might open with Fedor uh, rocking Vader, and then a couple minutes later, Vader rocks Fedor, or vice versa. I think that would be fun. To, I, I think that would be fun to see. Interesting. And um, my final question for you is, do you think in any way there's going to be any controversy in this fight at all? Let's hope not. I want to say no. Let's hope not. I'm going to be hopeful. (laughs) I know maybe it's wrong of me to to be hopeful in MMA, but let's be hopeful. Good point. Um, But yeah, I think think we're split on this. So I have Fedor and you have Ryan Bader... uh, Winning the rematch. Mm-hmm. Let's see how we both feel about the co-main event, though. This uh, card, while it revolves a lot around Fedor Emelianenko, 
We still got plenty of more action for Bellator. It's a huge card. Co-main event, Johnny Evelyn, the human cheat code, makes his first defense of the Bellator Middleweight Championship, taking on Anatoly Tokov. Zan, what's your read on this fight? Yeah, um, I think I think Eblin is set up to have a big 2023. Um, um, Tokov is obviously riding an impressive win streak. He's beat a lot of good guys, but I mean, I just think Eblin's wrestling is going to make the difference, and I think he's going to win this fight and and his title successfully. He may overcome a bit of adversity. He may be down one or two rounds um in the fight, but Overall, I do think that uh, Eblin comes out on top. What do you think? I am in the same boat with you on this one. I think Eblin, I think Eblin's got a lot of momentum to him. I know we just mentioned Tokov on a big winning streak, but Eblin's on a winning streak on his own, hasn't tasted defeat. I think Bellator is looking at Eblin as a potential future star. I know middleweight, and I, I know middleweight, not exactly talent-filled. I know that Eblin, you know, when you compare him to a Bader or to a Fedor, or to any other stars that maybe Bellator has, doesn't have the star value. But I think, as you mentioned, Zan, that there's a chance Eblin could have a very big 2023. And I think Bellator is banking on that to the point where they're putting him on the undercard, the co-main event of a Fedor card, of Fedor Bader 2, in order to give him, you know, a little bit of a push. Oh, good point. That, that makes sense. Um, what I was also going to say too is I don't expect this fight to go to the judges either. What do you see? That what do you see Eblin doing as a finish? I think Eblin wins in the second round by sub. I could buy that. I could buy that second, third round submission. Yeah. By the way, I'm surprised this fight's not a pick 'em because it should be closer betting wise, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I I could I agree on that one. Uh, the opening fight for the main card. We're gonna start with it. Uh, we're gonna start with a non-title fight over at welterweight. We've got Sabah Hamasi taking on Renan Ward. Yeah, I mean Hamasi is a character, is he not? And then Brennan Ward just comes to fight. Uh, if this isn't a firefight, I'm gonna be very surprised. I have Ward by finish in the second round. What do you What do you think? I think this one, I agree, Zan. I would be disappointed if it's not a firefight. Uh, I think this one goes the distance somehow. However, Zan, I do agree with you that I'm going to go with Brennan Ward. Um, good point. And also, I just see I just see this fight being super entertaining. And for people who have never watched a, a little before, and you want to see some action before the bigger names take center stage, that's a that's a great fight to kick off the main card. But this, this Fubo preliminary card, you can argue some of these fights are good enough for a main card positioning as well, especially with Neiman Gracie and uh, Dante Shiro. Um, and he is, well, I, mean, having, I, I mean, having a Gracie on this card is just as sentimental in itself. But absolutely. You're talking about, you know, MMA history, one of the families, the families of MMA, man. Mm-hmm. And then you got Lorenz Larkin, who is a USC veteran. I uh, like Lorenz on this uh, card. You got Henry Corrales. Uh, hey, yeah, look, there's Steve Maury. Ali Isaiah, undefeated versus undefeated at heavyweight. Yeah, that's interesting, too. And then uh, um, Max versus Polkoff is going to give it a go again. Um, Against Chris Gonzalez? I like that. Long, 
his lone UFC fight didn't go well, so it'll it'll be interesting to see how he does. Um, because he's still very green in the sport. Would you would you not agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I th- I think this fight with Chris Gonzalez is an opportunity for him to. It's it's a redemption fight. I mean, shoot, this card's so loaded that Darion Caldwell is the fourth fight of the night. That's how. That's, that's how former Bellator bantamweight champion the fourth fight of the night. It's bizarre. It is bizarre. Uh, we're not going to go too in depth onto the UFC Vegas card, so let's just do best bet for Bellator two ninety then. Uh, what do you see as a good bet to select? Uh, Hasmani Ward not to go the distance. Uh, Eblin, um, Eblin by finish, and uh, Fedor versus Vader over three and a half rounds. I would say some of the best bets. I think Vader, uh, Vader Fedor does not go to distance. I go Eblin money line. Uh, I'm kind of tempted, Santa, put some money on Steve Maury. I, I feel like with I feel like, you know, with his positioning, I know he's fighting Ali Isaiah, but I feel like with his positioning, he's got a lot going for him that I think that's a win. He'll be motivated enough to get the big win on this card. Interesting. Is there one fight on this card that you're not looking forward to watching? I mean, not really. Not really. I mean, you've got you've got plenty of talent on this card, and I mean, obviously, you've got a couple of two and ones and a one and zero oh and a three and zero oh on the on the preliminary card. But I think that helps Bellator a little to just have a couple of these young guys, you know, that are just starting out in the sport as you know your first couple of fights. I think that presents a big opportunity for those guys as well. Um, makes sense. Makes total sense. Um, but yeah, this card gets a 9.2 for me out of 10. This is a good, this is a good card. There's a lot of hype around this card and I'm excited for it. Uh, we do have USC Vegas 68. I'm not even going to bother with the screen because it's one fight. It's Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak. Zan, I, I, are, are you going to stay up and watch this, uh, watch this fight? No, but I but I might set an alarm to watch the main event though. Uh I might do the same, although I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I might just watch it next day. I, I don't know if I want to wait till four in the morning here on the East Coast to watch it watch that fight. Are you or are you not planning on covering this fight? I am not going to. I'm just going to cover Bellator. Okay. That's a that's a smart decision. I think probably many other MMA media members feel the same. Okay, I do. I do have a job on Monday mornings, and I can't screw up my sleep schedule that way. Do you think anybody outside of the people working the event for the UFC are going to be at the Apex? That's a there big. Be, I think there might be a couple of diehards. There's a big. There's a, that's a big question. I'm taking the Apex King and Derek Lewis. I think he knocks her. Sergey Spivak out within the first three minutes. It makes it look super easy. What do you What do you think? Uh, I think Zan. I'm going to agree with you on Derek Lewis getting a knockout, and I'll go one step further. 
I think he has to get a knockout victory here. I mean, this is the UFC Apex, as you mentioned. He has got a pretty good record with the UFC Apex. Uh, Spivak has won five of his last six. Meanwhile, Lewis has lost three of his last four. Hasn't looked, you know, hasn't exactly looked impressive in his most recent fights. Uh, I feel like Zan for Derek Lewis to get some momentum back. He needs he needs a knockout victory here, first or second round. So you think he needs a first or second round knockout to tell the UFC something? Uh, yep. And do you think also he needs a first or second round knockout to be on the heels of Blades or Pavlovich? Probably. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even if even if he wins by decision, that's not going to be enough. Interesting. And uh, what is Spivak's best chance to victory in Europe? I mean, if he has any sort of chance. I mean, I'm fairly confident that he should be able to get the victory. I think he's just gotta though I think he's just gotta tire Lewis out or just wait for an opening for Lewis to give. Interesting. And I'm kind of curious as well. Um, I mean, do you think the easiest prop for this fight is this fight to go under three and a half because that would be my safest bet. Uh, that would be my safest bet. And if you don't want to go that, you can alternately do does not go to distance. But I don't know how much value that one's gonna have. True. Um, and I'm also curious. Uh, is this is this gonna be a card that we regret staying up for because the fights are gonna be awesome, or do you think we're gonna be happy that we slept through it? <sighs> Uh, well, Zan, knowing the UFC luck, where cards that don't have all the hype somehow end up being awesome, I'll probably regret this one. But... Yeah, I, I probably will too. I just hope and pray the UFC never does a 10 p.m. uh a 10 p.m. start in Vegas for a UFC fight night ape this card where the prelims start at 10 p.m. and not the main card. So, yeah, I agree on that one. Uh, Sam, before we go, just a couple of different little news stories that we can talk about. Alex Pereira, Israel Adesanya 2, is now confirmed, as is a welterweight showdown, Sam, between Gilbert Burns and George Masvidal. That, both those fights are going to take place at UFC 287 on April 8th. Uh, reports are circulating rumors that it's going to be in Miami. Dana, as you mentioned on Instagram, somebody asked him about Miami, and he teased with a little fist bump. Uh, emoji so maybe just maybe it might be in the Masvidal you know in Masvidal territory this card um, Dana had teased an announcement uh, last weekend and it just ended up being a promo which was just a promo for pay-per-views with fights that we already knew except for this one this was the big new one uh, Sam what are your thoughts on UFC 287 and the two major fights that it's got going for it so far well, we've talked about this for, what, a month where, you know, we have these four cards coming up and you're going to ask consumers to pay 80 bucks a card to watch all of these cards in Q1. If you were to ask me which card to buy, this is the one I would buy. It's based on these two fights alone. I mean, Sam, I, I was going to say, now you have three weeks after Leon Kamaru 3, you've got this, plus Zan. 
there's now going to be the slap fighting finals, how they wanted it on pay-per-view. They're going to do it the weekend between 285 and 286. Because of course they are. <laughs> Data, you are, Data White is asking for a lot from his consumers. By the way, I think it's amazing that slab fighting is on pay per view um, for the for the finale. But what I think is even more amazing is I'm curious if my old rant of it of pay per view going to TV is it going to be on TV or is it going to be on some sort of streaming platform that we've never heard of? That's another that's another question. Imagine it. Imagine it's on ESPN Plus pay per view. Dana actually talks ESPN into doing it. I don't know. What, what do you? What do you? What do you? What do you think? Well, Sam. Actually, let me throw in one more question. Let me throw in a question. Uh, do you think the slap fighting pay per view is going to get more buys than PFL's pay per view? Probably. Or PFL. Probably because the promotion is just going to be way different. It's it's probably the case. So, uh, so um, if that's the Mr. case, then I want a I want a card jujitsu championships pay per view next year. Okay, okay. <laughs> By the way, I think I'd be more interested in watching a card jitsu fight on pay per view than a slap fighting event on pay per view. Probably. Uh, yeah, I, I I actually like both of these fights. Early prediction: Adesanya gets his belt back. Gilbert Burns finish his Jorge Masvidal in nine minutes. In nine minutes? Ooh, you're going to the minutes. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, yeah, I know they're putting this pay per view. It seems like in Masvidal territory, but I mean, Zen Masvidal just has not looked the same since his uh. Soar in 2019, losing to Kamaru twice, getting dominated by Colby Covington. I could see Gilbert Burns kind of having a field day with him, uh, either a late finish or a unanimous decision. But if it's a unanimous decision, Zan, it's going to be like 30-27s, 30-26s. It's, I, I don't... Masvidal needs to show something in this fight because he, his trajectory is not good at this point. Give me Gilbert Burns all the way. As far as the rematch between Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya 2 goes. So, Zan, did Izzy win you over by being up three rounds to one, or did Pereira win you over because of the late finish that he got? No, Pereira won me over because of the late finish he got. Yes, you're on my side, finally. (laughs) Which, by the way, I do think, though, that he did get a little bit... Okay, if we're being if we're, if we're if we're if we're being honest, I I have a conspiracy theory that he listened to our show uh, a few days beforehand, noticed that you picked him and I picked against him, and he said, "Okay, I'm gonna turn it I'm gonna turn it up a little bit." You call where you call me crazy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna go Pereira in the rematch as well. Uh, okay. I, I, I think this is a solid one-two. I think this is a solid one-two. I want to see how that rest of that card plays out. Uh, Very good play. And, of course, before we move on to Conor McGregor, I'm getting a little bit excited because maybe, just maybe, 
will get UFC 288 or 289 in my Oh, that's right. You had another interaction with Dana, and he gave you the fist bumps as well when you asked about Chicago. Yeah. So maybe the May pay-per-view, the June pay-per-view, or maybe a summer fight night in Chicago. I'm I'm all for it. What else? What else do you want? What, so so my, hey, my 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 next question, since we're joking around, is uh, what else? What else do you want me? What else do you want me to ask him about? <laughs> well, you know what? You can ask him about Conor McGregor and Tough. <laughs> yeah, if it's really if it's if it's really happening or not, um. But fist, yeah, so fist bump, fist bump twice if yes, fist bump four times if no. No, good point. Um, okay, so for those of you guys who don't know, Severe MMA, it's an Irish MMA outlet. They're reporting that Conor McGregor is set to make his UFC return, and part of that return is to coach the next season of the Ultimate Fighter versus a unnamed opponent. He's been targeted to maybe coach against Tony Ferguson or Justin Gaethje. Tom. Do you care at all about this? Is this going to make you watch the Ultimate Fighter again? If this is true, how do you how do you feel about it? Maybe for an episode or two. Okay. Maybe an episode. We we talked about last week how Tuff seems to have lost kind of a luster, and maybe they're trying to bring Connor back as a way to help the show and also get Connor. You know, as we talked about his fight in the octagon and what would be about two years. Uh, but I mean, you look at the potential coaches, opponents, and you know, uh, the, the coaches' fights that would happen afterwards. I mean, Conor McGregor versus Justin Gaethje doesn't excite me as much as it did a couple of years ago, where I think Gaethje will probably have a solid showing against McGregor and possibly finish him in two rounds, if not one. Uh, Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler. Kind of in the same boat. Probably second round finish for Chandler. Uh, Conor McGregor versus Tony Ferguson. I'm sorry, Zan. If they do Conor McGregor versus Tony Ferguson, that's five or six years too late. Uh, yeah, I think so. And it sets up for an easy win, in my opinion. Yeah. For Conor McGregor. And, and, and then, Zan, watch what happens afterwards. Then that then that means Conor McGregor is going to get a title shot against the winner of Islam and of Volkanovski. Oh, of course, because that's the most UFC thing ever. <laughs> Insert here the soundbite of Dana going the notorious at the press conference with uh, yeah Mayhem. yeah, <laughs> but he goes uh, but he goes um, but but you forgot to do his impersonation where he goes. The reigning defending screaming into the microphone, and then all the memes get made of him turning super red. By the way, that's one of the craziest press tours I've ever seen in all of sports. Fighting or, or not, that was that that was just four days of just straight chaos, absolute chaos. By the way, my favorite press conference was London. How about how about yours? I mean, it all it all felt the same after the first one. Uh, did you go to the one in Brooklyn or no? No, I didn't. Okay, I didn't go to any of them. Uh, trying to think, I wasn't at any of them either. If it makes you feel any better, I, I, I think, like, I think, I don't know, I don't remember which one it was, but I remember one of my favorite lines from it was Floyd was throwing the money around, and <laughs> Connor said, and Connor quipped at him, That's for the tax man. 
Yeah. Because their report had just come out that Floyd hadn't paid his taxes. Yeah. And then he goes, What? That's it? There's about five grand in there. That's what he. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Connor also was in the news. So the day, hours after we talk about his accus- uh, assault accusations, Zan, we see this footage of Connor McGregor getting involved in some sort of accident. He got hit by a car while he was on a bike. Yeah, um, if it isn't another weird day with the Conor McGregor story, it's just, it doesn't make any sense, right? It, it's not a day in MMA if we don't have a weird Conor McGregor story somewhere in the world. That's true. Zan, uh, speaking of uh, trying to circle back to the special announcement letdown kind of thing. So, Logan Paul, you were very let down when instead of fight news we got that it's going to be an official partnership between the UFC and Prime Drink, which, Zan, is going to include the renaming of the red and blue corners. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you saw my reply to that, um, but I said uh, RIP end of an era, mid-90s to, 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 February, to February of 2023, and it just went absolutely crazy. <laughs> so, Zan, uh, fighters can't have sponsors on them. But we can rename the red and blue corners. What's next? Is is Bruce Buffer's next suit going to have sponsors draped all over it? Knowing Bruce Buffer, it's probably a possibility. <laughs> but I just have another question. How is this even remotely news? But, like, I don't know. I don't know if you've seen that debate, but I just. It's it's not. It, it, it's not. I think, Sam, I'm just commenting on it for the, the sheer stupidity of renaming the red and blue corners. What, what, are, what are they going to call the red and blue corners again? And, I, I, now, and now fighting out of the hydration zone. <laughs> the, the, prime hydra, the red prime hydration zone. And the blue and the, It's so stupid. <laughs> Now we have to include a Bruce Buffer soundbite of him of him saying that for the very first time and just play it over and over and over again when we even when we think that there's a news take that's just horrible. <laughs> it's a good it's a good it's no, a good know, it's a good no, idea, what, isn't it? No, you know what we need, Zan? We need have you ever seen the cameo uh that Bruce Buffer made of uh, one person telling their lover basically it's it's like a breakup message telling them to yeah, move yeah, on. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we need that. We need that for a story that we that we briefly mentioned. And we're just like, yeah, I don't. We don't want to talk about this. We're just gonna. <laughs> it, no, that's true. By the way, your by the way your impersonation is pretty good because it's. <laughs> That's exactly how he does it. <laughs> I found him down to a T. It's funny. I don't have his voice though. I don't. I won't have the voice for it. No, uh, of course. But uh, yeah, I guess I, I guess that's going to be a weird development. And then, of course, the big boxing news—it's starting to to ramp up again. Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia, are we any closer to seeing it happening? We have no idea. But what we do know is there are possible locations being targeted. So earlier today, um, um, Michael Michael Benson, 
uh, tweeted this out courtesy of the uh, boxing scene as well that Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia could be taking place in Las Vegas at either Allegiant Stadium, MGM Grand, or the T-Mobile Arena. Tom, assuming that it does take place in Las Vegas, I think there's only two options that you can go with this year, and it's obvious. I think you have to go with Allegiant Stadium or T-Mobile because as much as MGM is nostalgic, we're talking about one of the biggest boxing matches of the year, and who and who wants to see that fight at MGM of all of all of all places? Nobody. I mean, Zan, if you're if you're talking about Tank and Garcia in the ways that we want to promote these two and we want to see these two at their weight classes, it has to be at minimum T-Mobile Arena, and and hopefully you know. Hopefully you have the Allegiant Stadium, and but if you think a ticket sales are going to be a concern, then you can go to T-Mobile Arena. Like as much as as we talk about, you know the nostalgia feeling of the MGM Grand. It's kind of I hate to use the word, but it's passe. It's more like it's three or four on the depth chart of Las Vegas venues. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, if you were to ask me this question five years ago, it would have been a no-brainer. But now with all the new advancements in technology and all that stuff and expanding the stadiums, MGM Grand has just become more of a name in a casino than a fight venue the way it used to be. Now, would it be cool when people flock to the MGM? Absolutely. The MGM would be the most packed it's been in probably a long time. But Tank versus Garcia, two guys from I guess you could argue more so, more so my generation than yours. You're you're slightly old, older than me. I think I think if you have those two guys, you know, in the generation that they're in, it's got to be at a bigger venue than just them. Yeah, so I think if you're gonna do it in Vegas, those are the, those are the two options. Which, by the way, I think I think Allegiant Stadium is more than deserving to host that fight. I think so. I think if you're, I mean, Zan, it's a no-brainer if you're a boxing promoter. If you're these two fighters, you're going to want that in Allegiant Stadium. And you're going to hope for some big business in Allegiant Stadium. People in Las Vegas flocking for that fight. And a massive undercard, too. And also, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's no big UFC that at weekend. At least there's a fight night scheduled. So therefore, if you want to double dip and go to the fight night, either whether it's going to be at the Apex or somewhere else, um, in Vegas or in Virgin Hotels, you could easily see people doing a double dip if UFC Fight Night is at the Apex that week, which I don't think they don't have a location for that. And right, that's uh, the one. Can of, you give me the date again? It's April fifteenth. It's the same night as Holloway versus Arnold Allen. Oh, the Holloway Arnold Allen card. Uh, I don't think we have a location officially for the UFC that night. Okay, okay. I was just gonna say. Because if Tank and Garcia is number one in town, that works out perfectly. I mean, but then also, and, and no offense, but I thought we said 2023 we were going to try to get out of the apex. Uh, yeah, Dana White, Dana White kind of Dana White, I guess. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not working out too well, is it? <laughs> oh, and as far as those reports go about Fury and Yusick, I want to say yes. But, uh, Zan, I'm going to play a sound effect that we commonly play on Empty the Bench. R-E-L-A-X. I'll believe it when it gets officially announced. 
Okay, well, the final question that I have for you regarding Fury and Usyk is, Tom, we're currently sitting, this is going to, this is going to air, um, obviously, this is going to air um, Thursday morning, of course, but mm-hmm. I, I, I have to ask you, do you think that this fight, this very Usyk fight happens at any point this year, or have you lost all faith that this is not going to happen between Frank Warren and Bob Aram? Zan, I'll answer that with this. I will believe it. I will believe it when that fight announcement becomes official, when I get one tweeted out by all the different uh, boxing media, by the fighters themselves. That is when I will believe a Fury-Usyk fight becomes official. Yeah, that's a fair point, and it's the same issue we have with boxing every single year, so so far nothing has changed. Plus, plus we've got the Nganu wild card, which actually, Zan, one last question for this episode regarding Bellator. Buy or sell? You know, prop bet, yes or no? Francis Nganu makes an appearance at Bellator. This weekend, I'm yeah. going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to say, buy it. Yeah, I. You think it's going to happen? Yeah, I do. I, I think, I think if, uh, I think maybe to just tease us a little bit, I could see somewhat of a Francis Ngannou appearance or a mention on commentary or something uh, as a little tease. With all of the legends that are supposed to be there, I'm not sure if you've seen the lineup, but Chuck Liddell, Frank Shamrock, Mark Coleman, there's no way that Francis doesn't get a little tease with all of those guys in attendance. I said, I will be kind of sad if Fedor gets knocked out and then we have the retirement ceremony afterwards. Or how about this outlier? What if this weekend is not Fedor's retirement fight and Fedor wins and, and Francis Ngannou's first fight in Bellator is against <laughs> Fedor Milinenko? We get we get some sort of WWE style angle with all the with all the other fighters, retired fighters in the cage, and Fedor gets the belt place on me. He says, "I'm not yet retiring yet, all of y'all." And then Francis Ngannou makes a big entrance. <laughs> that would be so <laughs> shocking. Could you, could you imagine? That would be that would be amazing. That would honestly be something else. Yeah, that means that Dana White would probably want to break his TV. <laughs> he would probably have an aneurysm. More than more than more than likely. Um, he, would, he would probably Zed. He would probably go over to a. Uh, punching bag well, that is that has on it Dan, a photo of Steve Mazzagatti's face and he would just start to rip it <laughs> oh well I don't even know if he owns one but if he does I would not be surprised at all <laughs> because of course for those of you who don't know that is his least favorite referee who has been quoted as saying that he was not that bad <laughs> But we digress. But before we get out of here, make sure to make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Make sure to follow Empty the Bench Network on YouTube. Make sure to follow all of us across social media at MMA Outsiders ETB. Um, you can find my work over at BJAPen.com. I add Zambando99 everywhere, all across social media. You can find you, you can find Tom's work over at Fanside at MMA. You can find his stuff over at Thomas J. Um, Albano and at Tom Talk Sports Nine on Twitter, um, and then of course we would not be we would not be remiss to say that yes, this Bellator card does feel like the biggest 
Bellator card in the history of the promotion. And just as a reminder, this Bellator card is not on Showtime. This Bellator card is on CBS. The prelims will air just before that on Fubo and then the Bellator MMA YouTube channel. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully this is the first of many CBS Bellator collaborations. And just as a reminder, once again, uh, the UFC event this weekend is staying on its original Asian time zone schedule. So it, it is a later start. So if you are one of the sickos that wants to stay up, make sure you set your alarm properly. Also, that event is wall-to-wall on ESPN Plus for those of you guys who forgot. And then, of course, next weekend is Super Bowl weekend, which, of course, the big story that we're going to be talking about on the next episode of the MMA Outsiders is, of course, previewing UFC 284 headlined by the two championship fights. And then, of course, at the top of the bill, we'll have Islam Makhachev taking on Alexander Wolganovsky in Perth. So there we go. Plus, uh, plus, Dan, we've got, uh, when we do our episode next week, Dan, we go from a big Bellator to a big UFC, UFC 284. we got to talk about that volkanovsky Islam Makachev fight that'll be coming up that I'm super hyped for. That's true. Oh, I think you, me, and many others are very excited for that true super fight. And it's literally number one versus number two pound for pound. It doesn't get any better than that. It should be a tremendous preview. And it should end up being a tremendous fight because people have been counting down the days ever since that fight was announced. And now we're finally here. We're almost a week out. Mm-hmm. But first, enjoy the Bellator this weekend. You... Maniacs who want to stay up for the UFC, you enjoy that as well. For Zan, I'm Tom. We'll see you next week on the MMA Outsiders. Take care, everybody. <laughs> Take care. And before we get out of here, we just want to leave you with one thing. And always remember, be, be Joe, Joe Piper. Piper. Yeah. Be Joe Piper. We'll see you, everyone. See you, everyone.